This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. seconds of terror that probably felt a lot longer. A magnitude 7 earthquake hits near Anchorage, Alaska. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. That's where we begin tonight. The quake causing violent shaking, sending residents scurrying for cover. There is a big cleanup ahead in Anchorage. Many homes and buildings are damaged and many roads and bridges are closed. A tsunami warning also triggered for coastal areas of the region. Thankfully, that was later canceled. Our Aaron MacArthur has a look at the chaos and the aftermath. The shaking started just before 8.30 and lasted a minute and a half. To be honest, it was weird because when I was in my bed, I felt the whole bed shaking and stuff, right? So my first reaction was I thought, you know, my girl was having trouble getting out of bed. People quickly realizing this was a big earthquake and took cover anywhere they could find it. And I was standing right over here at my desk and it just was like a big, uh, it was like a boom at first and then it just started slowly and then it got more violent and more violent and I thought about pulling up my phone to record but then it just the ceiling tiles started coming down and we all like yelling jumping under our desks. I immediately got out of our neighborhood because we're right on the ocean and those alerts came in. Um, yes that tsunami warning was canceled in Anchorage. The Anchorage Fire Department was called to three fires immediately after the shaking stopped including a church that was burned after a live power line sparked on the roof. Devastating. It was frightening, but we made it through. The shaking so severe, parked cars could be seen rocking back and forth. It spooked wildlife. But most of the damage seems to be highway infrastructure. The roads are closed north and south from Anchorage. Huge cracks opening up right under people as they drove to work. Commissioner Lucan of Transportation has been calling me regularly with reports on... Um, bridges and roads and things like that that uh, are of concern so we are just trying to get a handle on the uh, on the on the magnitude of the damage at this point uh, our highest priority is the, uh, the safety of Alaskans the damage is severe in the city too shattered windows and debris inside buildings the shaking hasn't stopped either. Several large aftershocks have kept people on edge. These aftershocks are really rattling my nerves a little bit. Into the door frames. So far, no reports of fatalities, and most of the city still has heat and light. People are being told to shelter in place and to be prepared for what might come next. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And that came just hours after Fort St. John residents were rattled by a 4.5 magnitude quake. A growing number of experts now believe that tremor was very likely caused by fracking. 
The one in Fort St. John is different. Um, I, we don't know for sure yet, but I would not be surprised if that was not associated with oil extraction, um, probably from the injection of, of used fluids from the fracking at, at depth, and they have triggered similar sized earthquakes in the area in the last few years. A second degree murder charge has now been laid in connection with a suspicious fatal crash on the Barnett Highway. Police discovered the victim, 34-year-old Nicole Hasselman, had injuries consistent with foul play. She later died in hospital. Romina Dea has more on what we're learning about the man now arrested and charged. 31-year-old Jan Popel has now been charged with second-degree murder in connection to the death of 34-year-old Nicole Hasselman. This is an extremely unusual case. A possible motive is still a mystery. IHIT is refusing to delve into details. Hasselman, a special education assistant, was ejected from a vehicle about two weeks ago. A man was found unconscious inside the SUV. He survived. The single vehicle crash took place on Barnett Highway in Burnaby. But this wasn't just an accident. Homicide investigators determined Hasselman's injuries were suspicious. The evidence just didn't add up. How she died, what was the relationship, police won't say. It takes a considerable degree of effort evidence to charge somebody with second-degree murder, and that's what IHIT has done. The only thing IHIT will confirm is that the accused and the victim knew each other. That's it. Chris. All right. Thanks, Romina. Nanaimo RCMP are asking for the public's help tonight identifying two men. It's believed these two individuals may have information which could assist in an ongoing investigation involving a violent home invasion earlier this week. A couple in their 70s assaulted and tied up in the incident. Anyone with information is asked to call Nanaimo RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Allegations of racial profiling are being leveled at the West Vancouver Police Department. They come from a soccer coach who says last month he was followed by an officer for no reason other than he is black. Nadia Stewart has more on what happened and why he feels it's necessary to go public with his complaint. Collecting donations for the Royal Canadian Legion is nothing new for Desmond Tachi. Uh, this is my second year. But this year has been different. On October 27th, the West Vancouver football club coach says he and another young player were leaving Whole Foods at Park Royal after having spent two hours handing out poppies ahead of Remembrance Day. Tashi says a West Vancouver police officer was following him. But it wasn't until both vehicles arrived at Branch 60 on 18th Street that Tashi learned why. And he said, I saw you boys pulling out Park Royal with the, with the poppy, poppy trays. So I responded, yes. And he said, what were you doing with it? And I started collecting money for the, for the Legion. And he said, okay, and what are you doing with it now? Returning it? And I said, yeah. And then he said, kind of thank you, and then he drove off. But for me, it was a bit, I guess, uncalled for. Tashi says the incident but, upset yeah. him. We were the only two, two black people doing it at that time. There was other people doing it around Park Royal. But he followed us, and saying that he saw us leave was where I kind of felt a bit that we were, we were racially profiled. Hoping for a resolution, both the soccer club and the Legion spoke with the police on Tachi's behalf. You know, the first response was, no, they don't apologize. Um, I was assured that if he was pulled over, it wasn't because he was black. Um, and I was left wondering, if that's not the case, then why was he pulled over? That morning, they were representing us. They might as well have been wearing a Legion uniform because that's what they were doing. 
West Vancouver police say neither Tachi or the young man were wearing anything, identifying them as being with the Legion. Police say this is not a case of racial profiling. He's on general patrols. He sees, happens to see two individuals and conducts follow-up. And upon being satisfied, there's no further basis uh, to conduct further checks. Yeah, good, yeah. Good. Police are offering to sit down with Tachi and the young player, something Tachi yeah. says he's open to. Good. Still, he feels this story needs to be shared publicly. I hope that we can all learn from this and, 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 and not be naive and think that you know, racial bias doesn't exist. Nadia Stewart, Global News. A creative new Crime Stoppers campaign aimed at the girlfriends of gang members launched today. In combination with Bar Watch and the Vancouver Police Department, the campaign is called I Stashed My Boyfriend's Gun. The ads, soon to be shared on social media, billboards and transit shelters, will feature women dressed in fake prison garb walking along a runway. The idea is to highlight how the seemingly glamorous lifestyle can quickly change. New details tonight from officials investigating a grizzly bear attack in the Yukon that left a new mother and her infant child dead. A necropsy will now be done on the bear in the hopes of gleaning more information as to why the tragedy happened. And Sarah McDonald has more on that and behind the trap lines, a first-hand look at life in the remote wilderness. <laughs> Only some 300 Canadians are licensed to do it. And this lifestyle is not for the faint of heart. Life on the trap lines in the Yukon territories is an intentionally remote and secluded one for trappers like Charles Nadeau. Just show you some stuff happening on the trap line. But living in the elements and in such remote wilderness can also be dangerous, even deadly. I won't be ready for a grizzly bear attack because we all thought they were sleeping. On Monday, the region's first recorded double fatal grizzly bear mauling claiming the lives of Valerie Teo Ray and her infant daughter. That time of the year, at that place, at that moment, at that couple, it's, it's something you cannot believe it. Even they are bush people. The victim's surviving partner and father, a trapper himself, tending lines on the property neighboring Brian Melanson's at the time of the encounter, later charged by what was likely the same bear, shooting and killing the animal before discovering the bodies. It hits home, like when it's your neighbor and someone you know, then someone that you as well looked up to and had respect for as a bushman, not just like his wife and daughter. Though the tragedy has shaken this region's trapping community to its core, those who live and breathe this way of life say it won't deter them. For me, it's not a risk. For me, if you take me and you bring me to the city of Vancouver downtown, that's a risk for me. Those risks in the backcountry simply different. There is less people killed by wild animals up here than is down south in the big cities by the traffic. Not so many people get killed by these animals. Investigators now working to determine why this pair was, examining the bear and the bodies left behind. Anything that can help us try to understand what happened here or what may have motivated the animal. A stark reminder of the devastating, though anomalous consequences when the wilderness and those seeking it collide. And we are told a necropsy has now been conducted on that bear, though officials are not providing any definitive timeline on when we can expect to learn any conclusive results in this case. Meanwhile, investigators are still at the site of that fatal encounter and expected to be for days to come. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Whitehorse, Yukon. Unreal. Well, the contentious debate over the rights of the LGBTQ community 
And the limits of free speech has landed at the Vancouver Public Library. At issue is an upcoming appearance by a controversial self-proclaimed feminist who has been permanently banned from Twitter. Jill Bennett reports. The talk to be hosted at the Vancouver Public Library Central Branch in January by Megan Murphy is billed as a discussion on gender identity, ideology and women's rights. But Murphy's past writing on her feminist blog has upset many who say her ideas on gender identity are hurtful. She disagrees. Feminists are not going around attacking trans people. We would never do that. We're not against trans identified people. Again, we're just trying to have this conversation Murphy has been permanently banned from Twitter, she says, for a new policy that bans something called dead naming, referring to someone by the incorrect gender. What does it mean to be transgender? How does a man become a woman? How, do, how does a person change sex? What is a trans woman? You know, these are, I feel like these are basic questions that I want to talk about. I want to understand um, because, I, again, I find this conversation and this ide ideology really incoherent. One of the more vocal opponents of the scheduled event at the library is the group Community, an LGBTQ community centre. I would say that her banning from Twitter was about much more than dead naming. It's about words that contribute to a climate of hatred, discrimination, violence and fear on the part of trans people. The chief librarian has responded saying we recognize that Megan Murphy's opinions are concerning. However, VPL is not in a position to take action intended to censor speech that is otherwise permissible under Canadian law. We have no indication that the event on January 10th will include content that violates the criminal code. Although I find it despicable and it's not something I support at all, part of living in a free society is is uh, is the right to free speech as well. Uh, so if it was classified as a hate crime officially, then of course we would uh, take different actions. But at, at this point, I've been apprised it doesn't. So uh, the talk will go ahead. Jill Bennett, Global News. $19.8 million. John, David, congratulations. BC's newest multi-millionaires come forward to collect a big Lotto 649 jackpot. Port Alberni resident John Perpich and Nanaimo's David Dubbin are lifelong friends who've been playing the lottery and hockey for more than 30 years. Uh, you could buy a team now. Yes. Yeah. Not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Canucks. <laughs> yeah. What John said there, not the Canucks. Both John and David say they're going shopping for new vehicles and new homes. And by the way, they've been playing the same numbers for all of those 30 plus years. Safe to say they're up in the count, though. Yeah. Obviously haven't spent well. <laughs> as much money as that. Okay, plans for a major LNG plant just a stone's throw from Metro Vancouver have cleared a major hurdle with the Squamish First Nation approving the $1.6 billion project. But as Ted Chernecki reports tonight, even though the First Nation Council voted in favour, support for the project isn't exactly unanimous. As environmentalists will tell you, over the years, how sound has taken a beating. Britannia Mine is infamous for all the copper it flushed into the inlet. Projects like the old wood fiber pulp mill were built with very little or no meaningful consultation with First Nations at all. House Sound was devastated by decades and decades of industrial use and it became a dead zone for a, lot of, a long time and it's now starting to come back. In a narrow vote, 8-6, to six, Squamish Nation voted to support the $1.6 billion LNG proposal for the old wood fibre site. 
calling the negotiated agreement the first of its kind in Canada. It includes 25 conditions identified by Squamish Nation's own environmental assessment process that are over and above provincial and federal requirements. We actually had the project change in terms of the types of cooling that they would use for the project and things like that. So there have been material differences in the outcome um, based off of our process. In exchange, Squamish Nation collects $225 million over the 40-year contract and gets preferential employment opportunities for the 1,600 short-term and 330 long-term jobs. While good for Squamish Nation, environmentalists and other First Nation groups are not happy. Uh, this is a scandalous giveaway of public resources uh, to add to the various uh, subsidies that have been announced for this, this and all LNG projects. This plant is going to contribute about 7 million tonnes uh, of GHGs to the climate uh, from Wellhead to Burnertep and uh, is not going to be uh, good. If this LNG plant is built, and with today's depressed prices, that is a big if, construction could start next fall with an estimated 40 ships a year to follow. Ted Chernecki, Global News. A B.C. father and public servant is asking for help tonight to save his life. Jeremy Crowhurst needs a kidney transplant, and doctors have not been able to find a donor. As Catherine Urquhart reports, he has an especially urgent reason to be around for his kids. Life at the Crowhurst household in Abbotsford is joyful and challenging. All three of their children live with autism. And now, Dad Jeremy desperately needs a kidney transplant. His is functioning at just 10% due to an autoimmune disorder. My body decided that my kidneys were the enemy and it started attacking my kidneys. And really overnight, I lost half my kidney function. Almost everyone in Jeremy's family has kidney issues, so they're unable to donate. Desperate to stay alive and care for his family, the 51-year-old Crown Prosecutor is asking people to consider contacting Transplant BC about being a living donor. I almost think like it's panhandling for body, body parts. You know, hey, brother, can you spare a kidney? But the reality is everybody can spare a kidney. Um, you you only need one kidney to get by. For now, Jeremy's survival hinges on taking his daily medications and doing dialysis three times a week. It takes two people to keep our family going. I can't do it by myself. So, I'm terrified. This Abbotsford dad, just one of 534 British Columbians waiting for a kidney transplant. Despite the wait list, this family remains hopeful they'll have many more Christmases together. What would it mean to you personally if somebody came forward and offered to give you a kidney? It would make a tremendous difference. It would be a life-changing gift. Catherine Urquhart, Global News, Abbotsford. Got to be a donor out there. There must be. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau joins other world leaders at the G20 summit, but Canada's involvement, at least early on, 
is overshadowed by a moment shared by two of the most controversial heads of state. An enthusiastic combination high five handshake between Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and Russian President Vladimir Putin. The two leaders both accused of planning and ordering assassinations then spent a few moments in an amicable and animated conversation. It's the high five heard round the world between the two most controversial leaders at the G20. Pariahs to almost everyone but each other. President Trump says he's snubbing Vladimir Putin because of one thing and one thing only. Ukraine. We don't like what happened. We're not happy about it. Nobody is. And hopefully they'll be able to settle it out soon. That's after Russia fired on, then seized three Ukrainian ships near Crimea over the weekend. On the basis of what took place uh, with respect to the ships and the sailors, uh, that was the sole reason. But the Kremlin doesn't buy it, with a spokesperson suggesting the true reason the president called off the talk is, quote, rooted in the domestic political situation in the United States. Michael Cohen! In other words, because of Michael Cohen's guilty plea, Presidents Trump and Putin barely making contact, though Putin had plenty with the Saudi crown prince, smiling together. A striking shot showing two leaders accused of ordering, then covering up horrific crimes. In the case of Mohammed bin Salman, the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The French president confronted him about that. President Trump did not. The two only exchanging pleasantries. Hallie Jackson, NBC News, Buenos Aires. The Marriott hotel chain is dealing with a major data breach that has affected close to 500 million people. Sheraton, Weston, and Four Points are among the hotel brands impacted. The hack goes back as far as 2014 and exposes everything from credit card information and passport numbers to mailing and email addresses. Marriott says people who were affected will receive a notification from the company. A Texas mother is incensed with Southwest Airlines after an employee made fun of her daughter's name and then breached her privacy online. Tracy Redford's daughter's name on her boarding pass is spelled A-B-C-D-E, but it's pronounced Absidy. Redford says after she and her daughter checked in, ticket agents laughed and pointed at the girl. Even worse, one employee later posted the boarding pass on Facebook, showing enough information that strangers were able to track her down online. You could view like my rapid rewards information, her rapid rewards information, enough that a random stranger was able to find me on social media. Southwest has apologized and says it has followed up with the employee, but is not saying if the agent was disciplined. Another B.C. family is speaking out tonight, saying they face financial ruin because of a lack of coverage for a life-saving drug. As Kylie Stanton reports, this time the problem is a matter of simply growing up. See, this was the report from your sixth infusion. The files go back almost a decade. There is a lot. Every four weeks since 2009, Tristan Ozard has been receiving treatment for his Crohn's disease using the specialized biologic drug Remicade. There's been consistency, right? He's totally in remission on this drug. Now, that's all hanging in the balance. Tristan has recently aged out of pediatric care and has had to apply to Pharmacare to cover the prescription. But because his dose is so high, he's been denied. 
So was the appeal, leaving his family with a bill totaling $8,000 a month. It's really hard. Every month is a scramble and, a, and stress. So far, the family has set up a GoFundMe, raising enough to cover a little more than a dose. They've also taken out a third mortgage on their home. We'll do whatever we need to do for him because we want him to stay healthy. Tristan does have options. He could switch to Inflectra, a biosimilar drug that's roughly half the cost and fully covered under Pharmacare. There are risks associated with it. Um, specifically with the body rejecting it. Another possibility is having the pharmaceutical company that makes Remicade cover the cost through the Compassionate Care Program. But that's in exchange for Tristan's medical records. And since he has several disabilities and mental health issues, that's not something he's willing to consider. It's not just medical data that they need for the treatment. It's everything, really. And so they wait, hoping for an exception to be made. But with every infusion, it's around 100. the bill climbs, putting the chance of a healthy life on the line. I was really excited that I had that future. Yeah, I hope I still have it. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. BC Hydro is sounding the alarm about Griswold-style Christmas displays and their drain on the power supply. <laughs> While there are no examples quite that extreme around here, BC Hydro does say that the power load from lights and decorations has gone up in this region about 15% since 2012. We're also seeing the, the popularity of inflatable decorations uh, leading to more electricity use as well. One that's running for 24 hours a day over a month can actually add about $50 to a British Columbian's energy bill. Their advice, turn off the inflatables during the day. Hydro says households can save about $40 over the holidays by switching eight strands of incandescent lights to LEDs. It's going to be a big weekend for getting the lights up for the galas. Are you doing that? Yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> be careful. I'll be mindful about the inflatable sand. Okay. <laughs> well, time stands still for the crew trying to repair the bell tower at Purdue University. It only took a fraction of a second for everything to fall apart. That's right after the forecast. Oh, let's check in with Christy because we are uh, heading into the holiday season and there's nothing more festive than the Christmas tree behind you. Christy, how are you doing? Great, Chris. We're in the Tech Acute Center, the new one here at BC Children's Hospital for the kickoff of the Festival of Trees. This is the first year that we've actually put trees in the uh, hospital here. Of course, we've had it for many years at the Four Seasons Hotel, as well as the uh, as well as uh, Pacific Center. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the Festival of Trees in a second. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about a hailstorm that rolled through just after 11 o'clock earlier today, and it was intense. Lightning and thunder and it almost looked like snow on the ground. Thanks to Kevin for this shot in New Westminster and it really flooded the trees, uh, the streets for, I'm on the tree mode right now, uh, flooded the streets as you can see in New Westminster. Just a ton of moisture coming down, really intense. It lasted for about 45 minutes in some areas and then 
We saw some sunshine. Beautiful rainbow shot from Cole Harbor. Thanks to Victor for that one. Now, there's that thunderstorm. We do have a little bit of instability across our region. Still a few light showers across the area. Can you see that band of ranges south of Victoria? There's a chance that we'll touch up into Victoria tonight, but generally it's going to travel south of our province, and we're going to see a clearing trend tomorrow. Now, those of you in the interior from Prince George right down through the Okanagan Valley, we will see some cloud cover through through the day tomorrow, some snowfall expected in through the Cranbrook area, and then we will see mostly sunny skies across the south coast region with morning cloud and fog. Tomorrow and through the weekend, highs of about six or seven degrees, so not bad, but you can see the cooling trend that we're expecting with highs of four or five degrees next week and overnight conditions down to zero or minus two. So make sure you bundle up the little kids when they're heading to school. They're going to need it. And speaking of kids, look at this great shot from Powell River. Westview Elementary getting out there and playing a hockey game during their uh, um, lunch hour just under the rainbow. Great shot. Thanks for that one. I'd like to introduce you to Maria Ficcio. She's part of the BC Children's Hospital Foundation. This is so exciting. What a success, of course, of uh, Festival of Trees is, but to have it here at the Tech Acute Centre. Yes, it's so amazing for our first year after 32 years to actually have it here and really to bring that warmth of the holiday spirit to all the patient families and the kids that are here at the hospital over the holiday season. So we're super excited. Yeah, that would be so special. How important is the mon- money raised for the families here? It's It, it really brings that that, uh, the home that, and that they're creating the space of being able to have critical care mm-hmm. um, in the sense of research, innovation, equipment, and making sure that the kids are getting the best care in this province. And $3.1 million have been raised through the uh, Festival of Trees since its inception, which is ex- exciting. It's all the way throughout the province, eight other locations as well. You can see it at the Four Seasons and Pacific Centre. We urge you to go to the website, which is bccaf.org. It's on your screen there, hopefully. You can get more information about the other locations and you can hopefully donate. Thank you so much for having us here, Maria. Thank you so much. It's great. Okay, guys, back to you now. Very cool. Thanks very much, Christy. Thank you, Christy. Caught on video, a costly and nearly fatal mistake by crews working on a bell tower at Indiana's Purdue University. As they lift a new large clock face up to the top of the tower, something goes terribly wrong. Most frightening. Watch how close it comes to hitting two workers in a cherry picker down below. The huge clock just missing them as it bounces off their bucket on its way to an untimely end. The company says it's reviewing its procedures. Probably a pretty good idea. Untimely end. Untimely end. I see what you did there. Things can go wrong in the fraction of a second. Its procedures. Yes. (laughs) You think? Does that require letting the guy who had the crane go? <laughs> you never know. Can you imagine what was going through that guy's mind when he saw that thing fall? No, 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 don't hit those oh. guys. Don't hit those guys. Oy. Watch yeah. out. Yeah. Well, get a load of this. Runners in a half marathon in China caught cheating. 258 of them taking part in the Shenzhen half marathon caught on a traffic camera taking a shortcut through some trees. But they won't be able to run away from punishment. Organizers say they could be banned from the event for two years. Uh, that's Why the true you? spirit of sportsmanship, <laughs> exactly. isn't it? Exactly. Why would you even want to do that? What's that old line, the Oakland Raiders? Cheating is encouraged. 
Oh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying? Something like that. That's man. NASCAR, too, I isn't it? It's a lot of sports. Yeah. Uh, don't do it at home, though. Don't do it on the field, but that's what some think. Uh, okay, uh, the Canucks have lost 10 of their last 11 games. And normally, in this situation, the villagers would be storming Rogers Arena with pitchforks and torches, demanding trades and either a coaching or managerial sacrifice. But that's not the case, and it shouldn't be. So far this season, things have been good because we have been shown the future, and the future looks bright. And part of that future is in the hands of the two players next to me, Elias, make that Elias, I always want to say Elias, <laughs> Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser. Last night they combined for another memorable goal. But before we get into that, in the last few games, Pedersen has shown us yet another skill, intercepting passes and turning them into goals. Here are two examples. We go back to L.A. Dion Phaneuf, you have been picked off by Pedersen. He's like a defensive back, stealthy, not seen by the quarterback, makes the interception and the goal. Now last night, same thing. So the Golden Knights get out of that. Steals the puck, gets a bit of a break there, gets tripped, then just throws it back in the middle, and Brock Besser is awaiting the pass. It was glorious. Yes, they lost 4-3, to three, but that's the most memorable moment, and here's what Besser had to say. I don't know. It's tremendous. <laughs> um, just for him to be on the ice, and uh, yeah, he, he told me on the bench, he just heard me yelling. He didn't know where I was. He just threw it to the middle of the ice, so uh, it's, a, it's a great play, and um, you know, I don't, I'm not surprised, though. Uh, good news for the Canucks today. Alex Edler practiced after getting run over last night. Uh, today and tomorrow they play Dallas afternoon game. Today, the Rugby Sevens players around the world voted Vancouver as the best tour stop in 2018. Next year's tournament in Vancouver is March 9th and 10th at BC Place, of course, and that is part of the season which is now in Dubai. They have tournaments this weekend for both the men's and women's. In fact, uh, the men's tournament's already started, Canada 1 and 2. The Canadian women made the final in their tournament against New Zealand. So let's see how that went, went down. How that went down. All right, Canada. Ghislaine Landry, get it, go, in. Canada down 12-7 at the break. New Zealand was atop the podium in the first tournament. Canada was a podium finisher as well. Gail Broughton, she's going all the way. So New Zealand beat Canada, but in the overall standings right now, Canada is second, thanks to that second place finish down in Dubai. All right, let's try a little high school football because tomorrow at BC Play, 7 o'clock, Subway Bowl for the AAA schools. It'll be last year's champions from New Westminster against Mount Douglas from Victoria. Mount Douglas has always had a very good program, but it's been a little while since they've gotten this far. The last time the Mount Douglas Rams won the Provincial AAA Boys Championship in 2015, Gideon Kremler was their starting quarterback. He was just in grade 9, almost unheard of for a 14-year-old to be playing quarterback against boys 3 and 4 years older. Now in grade 12, he's hoping to go out the way he started his high school career as a champion. I think a lot of our success has to do with uh, family and a brotherhood that we have at Mount Doug. A lot of us have been playing together for multiple, multiple seasons, but I think we all have the same type of work ethic and dedication to the game. Mount Doug has been the dominant program in BC the past decade. 
four titles since 2011, and they're in the championship game for the sixth time in eight years. Still, there's a little chip on their shoulder about getting respect from the lower mainland schools. In terms of Vancouver teams, especially in Vancouver, it gives you a little more satisfaction. We kind of get left out of the mix here over on the island, but I mean, we've shown year in and year out that Mount Doug's the dominant football program in the province. It's definitely fun, um, just when all the crowd's getting real loud and just kind of quieting them down and just kind of showing that the island boys can play. They'll have their hands full with New West, the defending champs, but Mount Doug did beat them earlier this season, 34-28 on the island, and now they'll have to do it again on an even bigger stage. I think a lot of us are used to kind of the experience and the exposure it gets and kind of that uh, starstruck feeling a lot of players will get, and I think we've moved past in years previous. There you go. Here is a look at today's snow report. Whistler Blackcomb enjoying a base of 64 centimeters. Grouse and Cypress opening date still to be determined and Sasquatch opens on December 15th. Revelstoke opens tomorrow. So does Fernie. Manning Park opens December 8th. Whitewater December 7th. Big White a base of 90 centimeters. Silver Star 107. Sun Peaks 95 with 10 new. Kicking Horse and Mount Washington both open December 7th. And Powder King a base of 100 centimeters. Mm. Um, okay, so satellite debris. Yeah. And we're going to start off with um, something from Ikea and something from Flash, which will sort of have a queen theme. Here we go. Together, and what have you got? Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo! IKEA, the beautiful possibilities. Well, the hell has all the mud gone? I'm sure there was lots of mud. I shook off so much mud. It was here, now it's gone, every bit, every drop, every inch, where it's all Flash! Ah! It works miracles! Flash! Ah! Cleans up the impossible! <laughs> Dogs that sound like Freddie Mercury. Oh my goodness. Okay, so, um, all cats that can talk in television and movies are always smart, Alex. Yes, mm -hmm. we discussed Garfield. Going back in time, Top Cat was a uh, cartoon from the 60s and he was a smart Alec. And he's in this commercial, uh, I think for a bank. <laughs> okay, Benny, remember the plan? Sure, TC. Good morning, can I help? You can indeed, my dear. I was hoping to bought you from a little moolah. <laughs> moolah? I need to borrow a little money for a new home. Uh, right, shall we take a seat? Benny, you're up. My previous home has been destroyed, carried away by the trash men on the orders of Officer Dibble, and callously crushed. Oh, that's awful. You poor thing. I love that old home. Please help me buy a new one. Just think of the children. Oh. No problem. Really? No problem? I, Benny, enough with the violin. Okay, Tishy. Now then, let's get down to business. Okay. Shall we start with your name? 
Tap cat! Why, Officer Dibble, welcome to my humble abode. Won't you come in? Me and the boys are having a pool game in the library. Yes, it was Hanna Barbera. Uh, okay, the last one uh, you showed a preview of it. That's mm -hmm. right. It's uh, it's a Christmas commercial, and it's for KFC. Well done, KFC. Uh, well done. The, the chicken throwing down. It's, it's sort of like an old spaghetti western. Yeah. Had that feel. Yeah. The face nice. off.